Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast, giving you the best tips on achieving the perfect renovation whilst making it as fun, safe, and as cost-effective as possible by hearing from experts in the industry and people that have been through the experience themselves. Let me introduce your host, four times award winner of world-leading interior design website, House, and over 16 years in the industry, renovating just over 250 properties, James Woodham. What made you de- decide to do a loft extension? Um, was it so like family gro- uh, like uh, family growth or was it a, like property value? aspect what was it yeah it was definitely value because at the time um we weren't living in it so i do have a family got a couple of young kids um but we had a house of our own at the time so the flat that we were looking to renovate was one that myself and a couple of other people bought back in university days Uh so we'd owned it for seven or eight years uh, and we were now looking to get rid of it just to simplify things basically because we were all getting our own families and needing to do other stuff so we kind of needed rid of it but we discovered after we'd bought it that we owned a loft space and it was it was strange because we'd never been told this during the purchase process it just came up in the deeds afterwards Um, so yeah it was entirely just trying to get more value out of it because we thought it'd be a bit of a waste to have this loft there not do something with it if we could yeah uh yeah so that that was the main purpose and what was the experience in in work like trying to finalize everything and get get it off the ground as as such it was long and tedious and uh, it was it took a long time actually because so the, the first part of it was the fact that because there was three of us that owned it it was me my brother and a good friend of mine uh-huh. uh, we all had kind of different opinions of what to do so myself and my brother both knew we wanted to do the extension because we felt like we'd be totally w- wasting the opportunity if we didn't um, but my friend was really against it he just didn't really didn't have much um, money to put into it which is fair enough but also just was quite kind of risk averse on it he didn't really want to it was partly to do with the neighbours actually the fact that that uh, we were in a shared it was a tenement so okay. um, he'd had a lot more experience with the neighbours and everything and and there's actually there was a bit of kind of you know the standard tenement stairway arguments back and forth yeah, and yeah, kind of yeah. older residents who are kind of uh, put out by the younger residents and stuff like that so it was going to be a bit of a you know, it was going to be a bit of a a thing for them, like a pro- not a problem exactly, but the scaffolding would go up. There'd be a couple of months where stuff's mm-hmm. going up down the stairs, mm-hmm. and he wasn't keen on all of that stuff, so he didn't really want much to do with it. So that was kind of it. Took us a while to get it going because we had to talk it through ourselves as owner as the owners, like my brother and my friend, yeah. uh, and also we had to then look at um, how were we going to source the money and choose builders and all that kind of stuff. So it felt like it took a long time. But um, yeah, we got there eventually. <laughs> Just to go back about um, that, there was three of you involved. So how did yeah, like, yeah. did you have different opinions in how you wanted it to to look in terms of style as well? No, actually, that wasn't something that really came up. So the, the way it all resolved in the end was the fact that my brother lives uh, down south, so he's in England. Um, the flat's in Edinburgh, yeah. and my uh, my friend lives up in Inverness now. So I mean, we're all pretty spread out. I was the closest, and I'm not even that close to it. So I was <laughs> I was like sixty miles away north up in Dundee. Uh, so it basically came down to I was the one that said, "Look, 
um, this isn't going to get done, basically, unless I take this forward because Bruce is too far away. He wants to do it. Dylan doesn't want to do it. So he, Dylan eventually um, agreed to um, that we could go ahead with it as long as he didn't have anything to do with it. And that, absolutely right. fair enough. Like that was just okay. um, that was an honest conversation we had, and I was I was totally happy with that. So it just came down to the fact that everybody was happy to go. Out. was going to do all of the work on it basically um so so that included decisions on decorating on layout on everything basically mm -hmm. so it was just it ended up even though it was a shared ownership flat it ended up being my project right okay so you kind of was was project managing it i guess yeah yeah okay. yeah exactly um you how long was you planning it for we uh, how long well We'd been thinking about. I mean, we'd been thinking about it for about three or four years, probably. We owned the flat, I think, for maybe it was well, two thousands. It was close to ten years. Yeah, so it was eight. It was about nine years we owned it for, and we discovered literally straight away, like within months of buying it, that we owned that loft space. So mm. straight, away, we were like, "Oh wow, that's you know, we could do something with that someday." Right. But obviously, um, it took a long time before we were in a position, money wise, to be able to actually do it. Yeah. So. We'd started to get close, um, thinking, well, I, I had got somebody around. I'd got a builder around just to have a look at it out of interest, you know, just a sort of free estimate type of thing, mm. maybe about three years before that. So that was what gave me an idea of what we could do and the costs that might be involved. That kind of gave me the ballpark estimate. Okay. At the time, still didn't have enough funds to do it. Let's talk about one of your most favourite projects. Can you talk about, I mean, yeah. I did a uh, an extension. Well, there's two extensions next door to each other um, about a year or so ago, and it was nice because there was both neighbours were best friends, so that made it good. Both jobs are identical, um, and it was it was quite nice and, and modern. You know, they had the bifold doors, which we're doing a lot of now, to be okay. honest. Yeah, and um, yeah, and um, the whole job at the end looks really, really nice. And, the, the you know, the people were absolutely so happy. You know, it was unbelievable. It just so happens now they've called me back. Um, they both want a loft conversion each. So Crazy. I've, got to, I've got to do that as well. And I've got to take the roof off both houses and do it and, and, and do the whole thing together. Um, but it, it was just a nice, nice job to do. Financially, it was good. You know, it was, yeah. um, you know, a, a nice one. And um, the people were so happy. And, 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 you know, and it says it all if they called me back to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I do get repeat work anyway. It, once someone uses me, um, you know, if I do an, an extension for them and then they move house two or three years later, you know, I'll get the call again to, to come around and, and a quote again. So th that's how I get my work, really. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that sounds like a good project. Um, can I ask you a little bit about the, the Brexit? Like, you know, we're still going through this whole Brexit yes. thing, whether it's going to happen, whether it's not. Um, but has it? do you think it's directly affected the building industry and, like, people making decisions? Um. I can't say it's affected me at all. I'm still getting work coming in and not many people have mentioned it. I've had one client um, that I went to, uh, she wanted a refurb um, and she was deciding whether to have a side extension mm. um, and um, to add value to the house to sell on. And she said, well, I don't know what's happening with Brexit, so I'm going to hold off. Um, so that is the only one I've come across. Okay. Uh, 
this has all been going on and pretty much I haven't heard anyone mention it at all mm. apart from that. And it hasn't affected me. So I can't really, you know, say that I've heard too much about it, James, to be honest. Okay. Well, no, it's a good, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your worst job? Maybe one of your worst projects? Um, in, in what respect is it? Any, any. Um, it could be maybe like the project didn't turn out well, you lost money, like why that happened. You could probably elaborate on that. Or well, it, was it the customer, you know, was it the worst customer in the world? Kind of. Well, it's, it's a really good point. And I'm going back about probably 15 years, and that's the last time I, I had a bad customer. But it, you, you have all these programs on TV about um, bad builders, and, you know, there's, there's been loads of them over the years. And it'd be nice to do a program one day on builders are having bad customers because they are out there. Um, and I did have a particular customer that was very, very awkward um, right. in, in every way. But it, it was his personality, unfortunately, and there was nothing that was going to change that. Okay. There was nothing wrong with the quality of our work or anything like that. Um, and he seemed as though he was trying to get as much money off the job throughout the contract as, as possible, mm-hmm. basically. Okay. He was a bit, a bit of a, a liar. And, and the thing is, is that I, I didn't know how to handle that very well because I'd never had bad experiences before that mm-hmm. and I haven't had a bad experience after. So when I came across it, I didn't really know how to handle it. Um, and I did finish the contract and um, at a slight loss. But in hindsight... I did the right thing, but in hindsight, knowing the guy he was, and I've grown up a little bit since then, I think that if I'd realised halfway through how I feel now, I would have walked off the job. Right. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm saying the right thing or not. But as a human being, you can only take so much from anybody. Um, and I know anyone expects a builder to to complete the contract, but when you come up against someone that's almost evil, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it is not a lot you can do about it. And that, that was my worst experience. And lucky enough, I've only had, ever had one. Yeah. But I'm very prepared. What, what that did for me was prepare me for ever happening again. Yeah, I was going to... If, if I come across that again, I would handle it in a completely different way. That's all I know. What was the best thing that happened in the renovation? If you could think of one really good thing that happened. Um, the best thing that happened was my friend was, uh, she bought a house mm-hmm. and she ripped up all the old floorboards in her, the property she bought. Okay. So I managed to salvage all those floorboards, which saved me about 400 pounds, Wow. <laughs> which is not a lot in a grand scheme of things, but it looks amazing because we saved it. We sanded it down. We finished it off and it looks fantastic. Yeah. You can, you feel good about recycling something as well. Absolutely, yes. Good. Yeah. Um, Let's just talk about the building companies. Um, Was it difficult to find them? What? What? How did you go through that process of finding a a suitable building company to do the work? Um, Again, it was my friend who was already doing renovations, and she had a company that she used quite a lot, and they were based in the area I live in, which is East London. Mm -hmm. So he came out and gave me a quote, and. I sort of was convinced to go with him, even though he was the most expensive, because when he spoke about it, it just gave me a great sense of confidence that he knew what he was doing. Because, you know, I didn't have any very 
thorough drawings. It was very organic process, the way I sort of designed the thing. I sort of knew how big and how tall I wanted it. I knew the footprint. I knew where the door was going to be. And I knew I wanted a flat roof with a skylight. And I knew the size of the shed, uh, the storage space and the bathroom. So I say, this is like the rough footprint and we're just going to build organically, basically without a drawing. Good. And when they gave you the quotation, did they go over what they said, like without letting you know, or was there like a lot of discussion and a lot of talking through the whole process? There was a lot of discussion talking through. He gave me a quote and he says, it's not going to go over this quote. It included everything except the fittings, right. which, because I says, I want to choose the fittings and I want to do the finishing mm-hmm. myself and those costs I will incur myself. Okay. Yeah. Good. Um, what was your experience like working with the building company itself? I mean, you've already said this, it was a friend, but um, could you just talk about that? Maybe it could help people. Right. So you would need to be on site quite a lot. If you're not going to have any specific drawings, then you need to be able to communicate with the builder what you want because what you think in your head is not what they can see, what you want. Mm-hmm. So it's a daily pro- it's a daily com- co- daily process where you have to like be here talk to them tell them what you want or else it's going to go terribly wrong because what mr a is going to think and what you're going to think is completely different yeah yeah so like t- and then i'm quite particular about little details how things finish and how things look mm. so i had to be available every single day and sort of supervise the build from beginning to the end And we did run into some problems, which is um, the guy that was left by the head of the company to do the build, um, he was just extremely slow. So the project was meant to finish a complete in five weeks, but it went on for about eight weeks. So my house was turned into a building site itself because they left all their tools and building materials in my main house. And instead of living on a building site for six weeks, I lived on a building site for more than eight weeks. Gosh. Yeah. So what was the communication part? Like, how did you speak to the owner of the building company about that? How, how did you handle that situation? Um, when it came up to like the seventh week, I just go, I would, you know, I was pretty fed up that mm. it was going extremely slowly because yeah, as building companies go, they probably have a few jobs on the go at the same time. So some days they won't turn up because they'll be doing another job and they won't communicate that with me. Yeah. So I would be like, where are you? Like this job needs to finish. So in the end, I, have to, I said, this is the deadline. I need everything out by this day. I just don't want to see your face. I don't want to see the tools anymore. <laughs> bit, bit of tough action there. It, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or else they would just drag it on forever. Do you think um, the bigger companies are having an impact on smaller companies in terms of survival? And um, you know, it, yeah, it is- I'm I'm not sure. Um, I think it's going both ways, right? Because in many ways, it's easier to be a smaller company now because of because of computer machinery and so on. Um, CNC and all of this. I think it's easier in some ways to be much more flexible mm-hmm. 
um, and competitive. And in some ways, the biggest, bigger companies maybe are finding it harder. Right. But obviously, their marketing budgets, that's the real thing where they win. Yeah. So they yeah. can persuade you that they are the best. People have faith in them because they're a household name. Right. People feel they're well-established and they're, um, they're not going to mess them about. People think they go to one of these big companies and they're going to treat them well and they're gonna, they can trust them. Unfortunately, it's often not the case. But I guess they also have um, good, good uh, reviews as well as bad reviews. And with a bigger company, they're more exposed to that. Like you can, you can go online to one of the bigger companies and do your own research. And, yeah, you can. And, 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 and you'll often, actually, if you do that, you'll see. I mean, that's, the, that's a very good idea. Yeah. If you do that, you'll see. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people just don't do that. They don't look into it. They don't look into it, really. Because if you, if you go online and look at the big companies' reviews, you'll see thousands of bad reviews. Yeah. People absolutely going crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people just don't. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's hard. It's very it's, hard. I do feel for the, the household are looking for a kitchen. Yeah. Going out there. I mean, I say go find a local kitchen showroom, go find a local person, uh, you know, a local cabinet maker. But how are they going to judge if that person's any good or not? I can see it's very difficult. Yeah. And you go to a big company, you feel there's a big brand name and you think it's going to be well established and you think that they're going to have a kind of policy that's going to keep you. I think people are most concerned about like the warranties and the guarantees that they can yeah. offer as big companies. But I mean, <laughs> it's really what it, how it. I don't know. Out. Look at warranties. I don't know how much faith I would put in them. Really, okay. they've got so many get-outs. Uh, effectively, we'll guarantee this thing as long as you don't do anything to damage it. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm okay. not sure really how much faith I would put in that. I would put much more faith in trusting somebody. Mm. So I don't necessarily offer warranties and things. I just personally guarantee stuff. And if my customer phones me up and says there's a problem, I'll go and fix it. Okay. Uh, and that's my guarantee. I don't have a list of things I'll guarantee and things I won't, <laughs> I suppose. If, um, if a customer's on a strict budget, what are the areas um, of their kitchen should they not really sacrifice on? Like, what, what yeah. shouldn't they cut back on? Yeah. So, this was... You shouldn't really... You should cut back on, um, first of all, your first choice, I suppose. Like I said before, it's more about finding something that approximates to what you want rather than finding exactly what you want. Okay. So... You don't need to really cut back on quality all that much. So we can continue anyway. Um, we were just we talking about... Back? Yeah. yeah, so um, if someone's on a strict budget, um, what are the areas of their kitchen should they not be cutting back on? Yeah, so yes, it's, as we were saying before, um, I don't think you need to cut back on quality. Okay. There's not really any reason for that. You can get good quality kitchens for a very low price. Mm -hmm. If you go to somebody you can trust... And you say, I'm, I've got a very low budget, I want a good quality kitchen, they should be able to do it for you. All right. They'll tell you what kind of kitchen you can have. You can't go along and say, I want what I want for this price. Okay, so... But you can go along and say, I want, a, I want something good quality, I want something along these lines, what can you do? Mm. And I've done that before, 
either a stain, someone would have wanted a stainless steel kitchen. They couldn't have. Stainless steel and oak. Wow. Oak shaker doors, stainless steel doors. They wanted to combine them. Mm. And, um, and I can't remember what they wanted for the worktops. They wanted a really expensive kitchen, a sort of £30,000 kitchen or something. Okay. But they didn't have a budget of more than 10000 I can't remember what it was, something right. like that. And so we didn't do stainless steel doors because they cost a fortune. But we found a melamine board that looks like stainless steel. Interesting. And I said, it's not the same thing, but this is along the general lines of, of the kind of look you want. Mm. And we managed to get some oak shaker doors for a very good price and stick them on the cabinets. Okay. And okay, so the cabinets had to be plain white cabinets rather than colour matched. Yep. Um, but the quality wasn't any worse. You can look at high-end kitchens, have the same basic cabinet makeup mm. as cheap kitchens. It's not necessarily a huge difference. Hey guys, we hoped you enjoyed listening to the past episodes. Next week, we're going to be having, uh, going over the, to the States and speaking to Mark. Mark is from myfixituplife.com. Go and check out their website. Him and his wife have been creating a big storm over in the States uh, on YouTube and on Instagram with their expert advice in DIY projects and um, and the tools that you have to uh, use to, to do them. So just make sure that you're tuning for that and um, he's very very passionate guy so be prepared um i just wanted to say listen a huge thank you all of you uh for listening to the podcast over the past 50 episodes i really do hope that we are making a difference um it's 100 the reason behind why we are doing it and why we will continue to do this um listen keep tuning in uh join our facebook group and come in and share your renovation stories with us uh you can really help others in that group too because i've seen it already um and if you just put out your ideas um and help someone else uh we are all doing a great thing um and also reach out to you good old builders out there architects designers engineers electricians gas people um listen come into the group um, if you feel like you can contribute, uh, we would love to to welcome you into the uh, to the Facebook group. Uh, just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the property renovation podcast. Um, it's been an amazing journey so far. What, can, what else can I tell you guys? Um, it's only just the beginning. Uh, if you love the show, let us know. Uh, go and leave us a, a review on iTunes. Um, that will help us get recognised even more, which in turn will help. Um, us be seen by other homeowners and then we can save them more money and time on their projects as well so until the next episode have fun doing what you're doing whether it's a diy project home renovation um, thanks very much for listening and see you on the next episode